0: This is the Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast. If you need a getaway, I am always a fan of my hometown of Las Vegas. So click the link in my show notes to find amazing offers, great deals from vegas.com right now. You're listening to Sweet Bites with Sandra with your host, Dr. Sandra Medici. Follow on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Dr. Sandra Medici. You can listen to the podcast live on Fireside and learn about upcoming course announcements, coaching programs working one-on-one with Sandra and new template releases by visiting collegeofstyle.com. Join Sandra on TikTok, Pinterest, and Twitter at College of Style today. Hi, I'm Sandra, and I'd like to invite you to subscribe and listen to my new podcast, Sweet Bites with Sandra. Satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth in each episode full of digital business tips, inspiring interviews, asides from my entertainment career, and rewards to celebrate your sweet success. Find Sweet Bites with Sandra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you so much for joining me on episode 47 of the Sweet Bites of Sandra Podcast. My name is Dr. Sandra Medici, And today for the interview, I am joined by my friend Nancy Luong. You know her on Instagram. If you go to her Instagram, it's at FI.nance underscore hacks. So the little play on words, her finance. Um, and she's giving great information there. We also have a very in-depth talk about the most recent news with the violence that has been perpetrated on Asian Americans. And really Asians around the globe, so definitely stay tuned for the interview. When you go live on a platform like TikTok, Instagram Live, LinkedIn Live, YouTube Live, it's really awkward in those first moments, right? Don't go into a typical live situation thinking about, oh, I'm just going to wait for people to show up. The better thing to do, a best practice that I'm always advocating for, is develop your pre-show. That means that you can have live games, you can ask questions and pin in the comments, Comments, all of those things make the viewers that are coming in feel welcome. And instead of being like, oh, we're just gonna wait to start until some people come in, actually start your pre show. That pre game that people do before they go out for the party, yes, you probably do that whole same routine before you go out to the club. What I want you to do is do that before you get into your live content. And that means you don't have to tell people, mm, we're just gonna wait for a few more people to show up. No. You serve the people who are there with great pre-show content and then dive right into your live show. Now, Whether or not you want to wait around for people to show up, you could be very strict on this is the time that we're starting and just go into your content. I do not think it's a good practice to say we're going to wait for people to show up because that neglects the people who are already there who are on time. So You can either develop pre-show content or dive right in right when the timer starts when you're supposed to be going live either way service the people who are there to make sure that they understand that you know and are really there for them too and not just waiting for the followers to pop in college of style is ready with a great shopping experience for you this holiday season and better yet to say thank you for shopping my store use the discount code hello 15 to get 15% off of your first order visit shopcollegeofstyle.com and type in hello15 at checkout, and then tag me on socials and let me know how you like your purchase. Welcome back to Sweet Bites with Sandra, the podcast. I am here with one of my newest friends. Her name is Nancy Luong, and she is a senior campaign operations manager for Salesforce. She is also a content creator. She's got some finance hacks that you want to know, and a keynote and public speaker for many, many young people. And corporations alike. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you Sandra. I'm so excited to be here. Yay, me too. I'm so excited because we have a mutual friend in common. Um, and so it's so funny because when I, um, reached out to you on LinkedIn, I had no idea that we had a mutual connection, but it's always so fun to, you know, at least have that kind of back background, um, to know that, you know, in a way we're all connected. <laughs> Yeah, so nice. Yeah, well, so when you're thinking about some of the ways that you are communicating with your either your audience at your work every day, um, or maybe some of the people that you're engaging with on social media, what inspires you to create? Yeah, you know, for me, it's like making a change, you know? I think I think that it's all about perspective,
1: and even making such a small change, I don't even care about numbers. I always feel like if you can impact one person, it's like a domino effect that goes on and on. And it's like a ripple effect. Of course, you want to hit more people because then that ripple is much more larger. But, right. you know, in general, it's just making um, an impact and, you know, changing um, lives is just so inspiring to me, even yeah. if it's something small and making someone's day.
0: Well, and even the smallest thing might be super huge to somebody else. So you never know what's going to happen or how that's going to impact them. So when you're thinking about um, maybe some of the things that you've done in your um, in your career from the beginning until now, because obviously people pivot and they change and they, you know, some of their ideas of what they wanted to do at the beginning had kind of evolved. So what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen throughout your career? Yeah. Some of the biggest changes I've seen is you know, my self growth and understanding of people.
1: And I think this is really important in one's career is um, knowing the different personality and different personality types and work styles people have. And the the more you understand that and the the more you can implement that in your own thinking, it's just going to make life so much easier at work and outside of work, you know, mm-hmm. um, with never even taking anything personal, you know, everyone's so different and just because people do you know, something a certain way and not. There's no right or, okay, there are sometimes some wrong answers, but in general, there are, you know, everyone's just doing their own thing. So having that understanding and self-awareness, I think, is such a huge change that I've seen shift in terms of how I work with people, my energy, their energy, um, the collaboration, um, that continuity. So I think that's such a uh, beneficial topic to really do some research on.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I love research. I I went back to school a lot. <laughs> I, went, yeah. I went back and I couldn't get enough. Um, So I love the research aspect of things. And I know that we had talked about measurement before we got on. And so when you're engaging with people, whether it's on social or through email marketing channels or, or things of that nature, what are you looking for? Like, what's the blimp like that piques your interest the most? You know, for me, it's engagement in terms of people that are actually,
1: um, you know, being responsive to your content, you know, like when you get responses, not just views, but people are actually starting a dialogue. You know, I think that is so important. Starting a dialogue and keeping that dialogue alive is like the energy that goes into it and the output of it is amazing. And that's what I like to look at.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's so many times I have been on social media and I, I mean, even real, you know, recently because I'm a, a beta tester for Twitter spaces and, you know, you're on, and you're just kind of like, crickets? <laughs> is it crickets? <laughs> you know, for a little bit until you're like, oh my gosh, this person is really responding and and maybe it was maybe it takes a little time to generate that kind of energy behind it. So how do you have the patience? because I know a lot of people want a quick fix, right in social media and I know a lot of people say Facebook is like the long game you got to play the long game. So how do you have that patience to kind of really keep going back over and over until that, you know, that energy builds up? That is such a great
1: question. I
0: love that you asked that because it is something you have to learn
1: to, especially with social media, you want a quick response. You want a lot of it. And those expectations need to be very low. I think, like, I think First of the expectation should be you're doing this for a reason and focus on that reason. Why? Because you want to reach people or whatnot. And you enjoy something. So I think that's first and foremost the most important thing. And when I put content out there that doesn't get much engagement, I have to remind myself that. Like, hey, remember why you started this and remember what this can build up to. And not taking it personally. Like before, in my 20s, I, I don't think I would have thick skin to do this because, you you know, if you don't get any engagement, for me at least, you know, I'd be like, oh my gosh, let me just take this down or, you know, maybe this isn't good enough. But now I'm like, no, this is exactly what I want to say. I'm confident in it. And if I don't get much engagement in it, like you said, the patience, then I just wait. And ultimately, I have faith that it will somehow hit. And sometimes you don't even get engagement until way later on. Some will say like, hey, I, I've been following you because you do get like silent engagement where people are not really liking or commenting or anything. And then one day, yeah, one day I'll be like, dude, I've been following you. And I love all that. And you're like, wait, what? But so it doesn't matter. I think the patience is just believing yourself and, and being okay with that. Like you have to be okay with, you know, not having that high expectation and leaving it. Like, I think it's important to leave your content just because you're not getting that much in your head of what you're expecting. Leave it there and let it sit because all that builds up each thing that you put out builds up and builds up. So, you know, you can't be, you know, putting something
0: out and then taking it down because of like being fearful. I know. Well, it's so funny because I always am like, should I have taken that down? that probably wasn't very flattering or whatever, you know? And and then I'm like, you know what, it's actually good perspective because you can always, um, I was, uh, you know, looking at different metrics for LinkedIn the other day and I was like, wow, you know, I've actually put time and effort into, you know, building relationships with different people on LinkedIn and it has grown my following on LinkedIn as well. And I'm like, okay, so you put in the time, you get the reward, right? Um, But always I'm like, hmm, you know, It's good for people to look back because if you're trying to be somebody who, you know, like yourself, you're speaking with other people, you can then go and pull content. And if you take it down and then you change computers or you change your phone or you forgot, you know, where you saved it, what external hard drive, then you don't have that access anymore. So it's really good for reference. I find sometimes when I'm trying to say, okay, remember when I said, you know, X, Y, Z, now look at this because, you know. It had two two likes you know, on social media before, and now it's got a thousand, but only because I kept it up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what do you think as far as like your career? Because you have worked with a lot of different businesses that are really, really, you know, up there that people will definitely identify with, whether it's eHarmony or Experian, American Apparel, Fresh and Easy. I'm just rattling them off because everybody should know all these Starbucks, Adidas, Nordstrom. So what is kind of the key or the secret sauce to creating, you know, a really good winning cross-functional team? Um, Communication. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. First and foremost, I think
1: communication to me has always been so important. And to me, that means, you know, being organized and being detail-oriented in your work and being professional one. But to creating rapport, you know, when you're working with so many teams as well, we're all working bees, but we're human, especially right now. We, I mean, shout out to the moms and dads and teachers. I'm probably the same person. The mom is the teacher, babysitter, police, everything, right? Yeah. So... You know i think it's important when we talk to our colleagues and teams to ask to them how their day is you know like sometimes it just takes one person to say how are you doing because it's not often we're asked that. and if we are it's kind of like how are you okay moving on blah, blah blah but no getting to know someone and creating that authentic genuine rapport is really important i think and um also showing value and gratitude for their what they're bringing to the table i think is important because that, will help, you know, make the team cohesive and truly make everyone feel like they're really important because they are. And so I think it's important to express that.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of times we're so busy and it doesn't, you know, it really doesn't take that much of your time to just say one thing, (laughs) you know what I mean? So, and and now it's a little harder because, you know I was talking to my husband the other day, I said, you know, it's kind of like leaving your door open at work. You know, you have that interaction where people are, you know Maybe they ran to the bathroom, or they went to Starbucks, and they're on the way back, and they pop their head in. Now there's no popping your head in, you know what I mean? Like you have to kind of make that extra effort, but that extra effort for you know that one person who was having a bad day until you said something is definitely probably worth the you know the extra moment that you took to do it. So I am right on your wavelength, <laughs> um, whether it's by Slack or whatever you have to do. Um, so what do you think are some of the things that could really help to streamline the process? Because I know that a lot of people that I talk to work in email production because they're all trying to, you know, take that that connection that they got on social media back to the house so that they can have their email and really, you know, forge that relationship with them. So what what can you say as far as like processes to streamline you know, email marketing processes and really um, getting the kind of open rate or click through rate. Or you know, everybody wants the everyone wants the secret, <laughs> and I don't know if you have it, but I want to know if you have some sort of like magic bullet to like make it happen for people. Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's really important to be organized
1: in um, email marketing with process, um, with hitting deadlines, having a calendar to outline everything. One and two, having a really solid um, work process with deadlines that are similar. So, um, you know, having, you know, five days for each campaign or et cetera and what those each days mean and what times that each person is hitting that um, to create this process too and to optimize it, it's really important to talk to every team member, you know, to see what is feasible or not because oftentimes people feel overwhelmed or they feel like they're sitting and waiting and you really have to work with the whole team to figure out, okay, what can we do here? Um, when you're working with other teams, it's really important to set boundaries and deadlines as well you know um to say hey we really have to hit these deadlines and you know sometimes there are consequences if we, if we don't hit a certain target then something might be delayed or there might be a chance of an error etc so i think it's good to streamline in that way as far as you know getting high metrics i think it's important to know your audience and know know your audience very very well and also when you're testing to make sure that you are strategically testing meaning you're not just doing random tests and then not doing anything with those results because oftentimes people love this idea and then they kind of forget about it (laughs) and it's like what was that test for you know and if you are going to test to make sure you have a strategy that is continuous um like so for example if you're doing like a subject line test and it's like hey let's just test these two random subject lines like what what is it specific about each of those that you're testing out? You know, is it short versus long or a detail versus non-detail or something more personalized or not? And then repeating that test a few times so that you are getting those results because, you know, one campaign could be like, oh, you know, this did well because someone's name is, is in it. And now you think like every campaign is going to be like that. So I think it's important to know what you're testing and then to continue it a few times and then conclude that with, actually looking at the data and then implementing that.
0: What do you think as far as, um, you know, your your career and maybe one thing that you could have told yourself when you first started out, if you knew it then and you could tell yourself like, way back when, do this instead of that, what would you have told yourself?
1: Uh, Well, I'm sure you heard of this imposter syndrome, which is what a lot of people have, including women. And it's basically when women or men, believe that they're really not good enough or you know that they're going to be found out that they don't really know what they're doing but they really do and a lot of successful people you know actually experience this which um which is funny because and it does make sense you know I think psychologically sometimes we are trying so hard and being successful but we're like oh my gosh we're gonna be found out we really don't know but we really do know what we're doing and so I would tell myself you know in my early careers, like you do know what you're doing and you got this and people believe in you. And and even when people did believe in me and I have that confidence, I still felt like an imposter. Like, oh no, like I don't know. And what if I get fired? And the thing is, is we do know and it's a lot of people don't know and that's okay as well. So if you feel like you truly don't know, that's okay because a lot of people don't know and everyone's just kind of running away and figuring it out themselves. And I think that's a huge thing that's important to know.
0: Yeah. I mean, even when I first, you know, got graduated from, you know, undergrad, I was like, people aren't going to hire me. I don't know anything. And my mom's like, you just spent four years learning something. You better know something, (laughs) you know? Um, and so I hope that, you know, people listening to this podcast, hopefully you will take away that you do have knowledge under your belt that you can just, you know, swing for the fences. And if you don't know something, you can learn it along the way for sure. Um, So let's talk about something that has been um, ongoing, but has been recently brought to the forefront in the news coverage of some of the incidents of um, anti-Asian American sentiment. I should just say anti-Asian in general, Um, but also how that plays into um, the workplace and workforce dynamic and potentially, you know, how it has impacted you. Um, I'm not quite sure of your experience um, you know, dealing with some racism in your past um, as far as people and other sentiments um, that may have been, um, you know, detrimental to different experiences that you have had. I'm not quite sure. So I wanted to pose that question to you um, to see exactly how we combat that, how we move forward, how we um, support um, Asian communities and, and really build together to, to have something that's better for all of us.
1: Yeah, you know, I think for me, I have dealt with racism myself, but I've actually experienced more microaggression, um, meaning that, you know, it's like the small little statements or comments towards Asian Americans, um, such as like, you know, wow, you're really tall for an Asian woman, or, you know, <laughs> where are you from, you know, and I'm telling them I'm from, really from, and I don't understand what that means but things like that, but my family has um, experienced a lot of racism, especially with my sisters. Um, I have two older sisters, and they dealt with a lot of bullying um, back, you know, when they were kids and we didn't have a lot of money. So on top of already not having a lot, but, you know, being called, you know, really bad racial slurs and, you know, saying things like, do you eat dog? Um, You should go back to China. Just such ignorant comments that were made. And, you know, because of this new, Light on Asian racism, these stories are coming out more, you know, and I think it's because Asians are not used to speaking up and speaking about trauma and things that are really hurtful. And now I even see, you know, my sisters in my 40s telling me these stories I never knew before because they were like, well, we just didn't know how to deal with it. And usually Asian Americans do often put things under the rug. So I think that's, you know, important to know. And on that note, that's why during this time, it's really beneficial to have um alliances and have other minorities come together it's like we need to come together and not be pitting against each other but on top of that of course having you know our white community you know be an alliance to us because we don't have a strong voice that does need to be presented during this time because so many crimes aren't even being reported and you know um from covid uh crime has hate crimes have gone up 150 percent. so you know we're just asking for anyone and everyone to help us no matter what race you know Um, but there are things we can do um, in the workforce Um, one thing is just talking about it you know like i said many major outlets aren't covering this so talking to your peers talking to your family and friends talking on social media is super important because as you can see a lot there are a lot of movements and we have to put energy into it So that it doesn't die off you know it's not a trend it's not you know we're combating at a certain time it's it's an ongoing thing that's been you know stemmed from generations and our history so talking about it it would be the first thing and you know bringing awareness on your platforms or just talking about it with your friends and colleagues i would say if you're not asian ask your asian friends and colleagues how they're doing you know i think this is something that no one really talks about but ask us because you know, it, it is a hard time. And we don't really know what to say or how to feel. But having that support of just people asking us how we're doing makes such a huge difference to it. I know personally, it's helped me. Um, it helps me in staying strong, you know, like, w- there's times where I felt down and people checking in has made me feel like, okay, this is you know, just like a positive energy that's keeping me going and alive <laughs> to keep on driving and striving for what we want. And you know, going back to, um, you know, the spreading awareness, I think that's important in the sense that even if you're talking to your family, if you're Asian, and again, it's really hard to speak about something so fragile to a culture, to your family members that aren't used to it, be patient, you know, when I was talking to my family about it, I talked to my parents, and my sisters, and I got so many mixed reactions. Reactions you would not think. It's like my parents were kind of like, mm, okay, well, it's not that big of a deal, you know, because they're not used to, um, you know, dealing with problems. They're like, what's well, that big yeah. deal? Yeah, internalizing and not being vocal. And then they get defensive, like, we can handle it, you know. And my sisters kind of just shut down. They're like, not sure. I think in a way they didn't even want, want to watch the videos because it was so gruesome and and eventually, after two weeks, my parents were like, hey, you know, we are seeing things on the news. We know what you're talking about now. And my sisters were the same. And they started telling me about them being bullied. And it's just this conversation that you have to be patient with with your own family and friends if you are Asian, because we're not used to these conversations, you know. So um, doing that. And I'm so proud that actually uh, last yesterday they went my whole family went on a march um, in northern california and they had signs and they were you know really fighting for asian against asian hate and i think i would have thought that a few weeks ago when they weren't even <laughs> responsive so just the power of your voice and being patient and assertive and standing by what you believe in is really important
0: One last question about what you do now and how you see kind of 2021 and 2022 in the projection of where you think, you know, um, social media marketing is going as well as I know you've got some financial hacks that you do and on um, and tips that you provide for for different business owners. So where do you see us heading with what marketing is doing as far as um, social media and financial? Like how is that? I know that I've been reading up on like NFTs and Bitcoin and Doge and all these different things. So if you have a take, I want to hear it. Oh, yes, I have a couple takes. One, I think it's really important to know
1: that we have to jump on what's happening. Like, for instance, right now, Clubhouse is a new app and everyone is getting on Clubhouse. And, you know, I think that fear sometimes of change or like, oh, it's not a new platform. Like TikTok, I had no idea what the heck I was doing on TikTok a few months ago. Nothing, no idea. I was like, I can't dance. So I definitely know I'm not doing a, a dance on this. So, but, you know, I figured it out because I knew Hey, you know, this is a fun way for me. And it was out of my comfort zone. So I taught myself how to make videos in a fun way, teaching about money, which is exciting. But, um, but now Clubhouse is going to be, I think, a huge um, platform that, you know, social media and social marketers um, should hop onto. It's basically like a live podcast, I guess is the best way to describe it. There's rooms where celebrities are in it or just normal, um, non-celebrities, I guess, that, you know, do a lot of speaking and it's like a it's a really nice way to be live and and learn so much in real time. So I think, you know, clubhouse is a huge way to go. I think another important thing is if you don't know, you can learn. And three, I think it's important to know that w- we can do it. You know, people told me, you know, TikTok is for older or for younger people, you know, it's for the younger generation. And there's so many people on TikTok that are in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. I watch grandmas and grandpas make um, videos that I love. It's the cutest thing to watch them make their own content. So, you know, if you don't know, don't be scared. Because seriously, I really had no clue what I was doing. I, I barely even knew how to, you know, download it and didn't even know what I was watching and then I figured it out and you know so I think it's important to adapt easily and not be to not be fearful of joining different um, platforms and um going live I think is important you know I think that Instagram live and Facebook live it's been happening but I it's uncomfortable for people to be on camera and I think that is a barrier that we have to break everything is digital now and with COVID and everything happening it's Becoming even more digital, so you have to be comfortable in your own skin to be on camera and to speak, um, and speak online. Um, as far as money, I think that this year has been so great with people learning about money, and last year because of COVID, you know, some people lost their jobs. So many the people it was the first time where it was like survival mode. You know, being for me, this is was not a huge. Impact to me because I grew up as a daughter of immigrant parents that, you know, basically didn't come from a lot. You know, we had the grind, all that. But last year, I think it shook so many things up for people to be like, oh my gosh, we don't have backup money. I can't get a job, you know, and it's it's going to be forever life changing for a lot of people. And I think now what we're seeing is talking about money is becoming more trendy, especially, you know, with what's ha- been happening with Bitcoin and GameStop and all that. People are like, what? What is this? You know, what's investing with? What are what are these stocks and bonds and a Roth IRA and all these things? And I hope, and this is one thing I am working on, is making a change in that shift, especially for the younger generation. You know, like for us, I seven or ten people right now in America do not have an emergency fund of a thousand dollars if it was an emergency, because we don't learn about money. We learn about every other subject in schools, in high school, middle school, college, but we don't learn about financial literacy, and that is that needs to change. Like, that is just insane to me, especially in colleges. You know, you, it's it's colleges the responsibility to teach that for their students that are in debt because of college usually, you know, and I think that needs to be a huge um, topic. And right now I'm working with Long Beach State where I went to school to make that shift of, you know, let's talk about money more and
0: make it a normal thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy that, well, I'm going to say this. Colleges don't want to remind their students how much they're spending on the tuition. I don't think that that thats going to be top of mind of like the marketing materials. Um, but I do think that it is very important for me for saving. I am more if if I could compare
1: savings for me like a diet, like a you know food diet. I would say a more like a balanced, you know, balanced grazer. You know, I like to save here and there. I'm not everyday saver of like looking at costs and looking at things. And I know there's so people out there that do different types of finances, whether it's, you know, investing or, you know, more uh, buying houses and flipping them or, you know, all these like quick fixes. And I talk about more day-to-day things that you can save on and be more cognizant of. of. So it's more the self-awareness of what your money is going into day-to-day. And ultimately that helps save so much money. You know, everything you Spend money on the little things they add up. And that is where I think is important as a lifestyle.
0: Definitely. Make sure to follow her on TikTok and Instagram at fi.nance, N-A-N-C-E underscore hacks. And she will be giving you the dates for sure. Make sure to follow her and we'll see you on the next one. Is your business not connecting or converting your followers online? Book your brand audit today by visiting collegeofstyle.link forward slash brand audit. I look forward to working with you to move the needle on your business and jumpstart your 2022 with strategic messaging and up-leveled visual branding. Click the link and I'll talk to you soon. If you would like to sponsor an episode of Sweet Bites with Sandra, make sure to send an email to info at sandracoultonmedici.com, including the subject line, be a sponsor.